0: You are listening to audio from Faith Church. If you are in the Seminole St. Pete area, we would love for you to join us on a Sunday. To learn more, visit us at faithrs.org. Good morning, Faith Church. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. It uh, sure is a fun time. Um, I want to. Just uh, introduce myself. For those that may not know me, I'm Brian Idy. I'm one of the elders here and on staff. And it's my privilege to be able to bring the word this morning. We're going to turn uh, in our Bibles to Romans 3. And I'm going to read a section from that in just a moment. If you don't have a Bible, we'd uh, encourage you. You can grab one at the back of the sanctuary here. And that's our gift to you. And uh, so, again, Romans 3. We're going to be looking at verses 21 uh, through 26. So, if you're able and willing, if you would please stand for the reading uh, of God's word. Paul writes in Romans three twenty-one, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith is in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Man, You may be seated. Well, um, this past uh, you know month, obviously October 31, uh, is a day most people readily recognize as Halloween. Uh, but a, a smaller group of people might kind of also recognize, historically, that's when we commemorate or celebrate things of the Reformation, uh, the Protestant Reformation. And I was reading uh, more recently, uh, as that date approached, um, just some, some material that was asking, what do Americans actually know? know presently uh, about the Reformation, and the articles and the studies said, in their conclusion, there seems to be a lot of confusion. And so I thought, uh, what a great opportunity uh, just to dive into a few things here, Um, but before we do, some stats that would bear that out, right? Almost three in four Americans say they are familiar with the term Protestant, three quarters would say that people must contribute their own effort for personal salvation, and more than half say that good deeds help someone to earn a spot in heaven. Now, 60% agree, though, that the death of Christ on the cross is the only sacrifice that could actually remove the penalty of their sin. But to complicate or to confound some of this and show the confusion, another study finds that nearly seven out of 10 Americans, including a majority of evangelical church attenders, believe that people are basically good. So we've got, we've got some things that don't all uh, fit uh, in the same puzzle. And so we wanna uh, just kind of uh, explore some of that this morning before we go further. I would just uh, throw out a term. Let's talk the term justification. Uh, that, that, that's going to be a central term in the Reformation. Justification, uh, you may recognize the phrase justification by faith alone, through grace alone, in Christ alone. That is a, a, just a, a staple uh, statement uh, that summarizes so much of the Reformation. Reformation. The idea of being just. Seems simple enough, but let's just make sure we're on the same page. Just is, uh, to be just is to have something based on or, or behave according to what is morally right and fair. It's the idea that we kind of get the idea of justice from. right? Uh, that's certainly a popular word in our present discussions, justice. And in legal terms, we even recognize this because what do we oftentimes call a judge? A justice, a justice of the peace, right? And so uh, interesting. Uh, So, in broad terms, let's just throw this out broad terms theologically being justified would be to be made right with God. Okay, that that makes sense. As straightforward as it sounds, though, we still, as I've mentioned, have so much confusion about this. And the question I want to ask here this morning is why is that? And I'm going to put up uh, at least three reasons this morning that I think will give some clarity to that and if you'll stick with me The, the first one is going to be we're gonna do the most work in the first one. It's gonna be uh, We're gonna to have to dip through a valley that, that might not be entirely enjoyable all the way through But if you'll stick with me uh, the payout will be there in the end. I assure you So let's just kind of get into it here uh, So uh, the first of the three reasons I'm gonna suggest that we struggle with confusion here is that we fail to recognize our nature, our unjust nature, okay? That, that, that may be a, a kind of a, a line that most people wouldn't even equate as being part uh, of a human description, right? Uh, we have an unjust nature. You, if you want another way of putting this, we might say that we downplay and we dismiss humanity's radical corruption. Uh, that's it's pretty deep this morning I I recognize that Um, but let's kind of make the case for this uh, a little bit more before we totally jump into some scripture to back this let's just talk about this idea of original sin and that may be a concept you're familiar with Uh, regardless of whether you are or not I think it's it's worth reviewing right the doctrine of original sin refers to the result not the act but the result of adam and eve's first sin right so it isn't just simply taking the forbidden fruit it's the result that will come from it and any historic confession of the faith will unpack that idea further and and just in simple terms right that initial act of sin the result involved a a a corruption of all uh, of nature Right, Uh, physical and spiritual alike. Everything in this created order will be impacted and and corrupted in some way, shape, or form uh, based on Adam and Eve's original sin. And so, like I say, all historic confessions uh, of of the Christian church have that doctrine. There may be uh, clearly some debate over the scope of that and and different things, but it's certainly a central part of it. So where that uh, brings us here, is just to examine that and say, gosh, that, that's a pretty broad, sweeping statement. And I want to, as we've already read a bit from our, our main passage, Romans 3, 21 through 26, I wanna back things up just a shade here in the same chapter, Romans 3, to set the stage for this idea of our unjust nature. And this, this is the tough spot, right? And so Paul, writing, just earlier in chapter 3, as I mentioned, says, what then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, I mean both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. This This is a inevitable correlation with that original sin, that first act uh, of, of humanity's sin, leads every single person to lacking a righteousness. And just as a case in point, there's a clear sense in which no one truly seeks after God in fullness of heart. And, and this is, uh, I think, just the tip of the iceberg on this, but just a, a good uh, you know, summarizing statement right off the bat. But Paul will go on In the way of peace they have not known, there is no fear of God before their eyes." Wow. That, that is a difficult statement uh, or series of statements, right? Paul, Paul is clearly showing the scope of what theologians would, would call original sin here. And we'll talk more about this and maybe, uh, you know, have some questions and pushback uh, here that we'll uh, engage with. But, but at the front end of this, let me just say, you know, the, the scripture is clear that, that every human being is in some way, shape, or form a affected by this right and I think it's helpful to recognize that there are various ways that that manifests itself on the outside okay some people are just outwardly brazenly brash you know that you can tell in the things they say and the actions they do that they're just kind of living life angry at God that there are some that are like that But I want to say on the other end of the spectrum, you could have a quiet soul who would seem to never hurt a fly that would be still demonstrating something of this corrupt nature because inwardly there's still some lack of willingness to yield to God or to come to God on his terms, to seek him out and let him define himself. We can all, even in a very civilized manner, recreate a God who behaves himself not on our terms, or not in his terms but on ours and I'll tell you what that that goes under the radar for a lot of people it doesn't seem if you're outwardly very civil it doesn't seem like you'd be defying God but when we try to make God something other than who he says he is and when we try to put him on a leash and kind of be a little bit more moderate Surely he can't mean that surely. He wouldn't want me to be unhappy. I I I I am NOT going to listen to this part of the scripture, right? You see we can have that quiet defiance. And and so I wanna say there's this scope or this range that outwardly shaking the fist to this just kind of quiet, refined, and everywhere in between. This is is what is meant by this idea of the corruption uh, of humanity in this regard, right? So don't get snowed by the fact that not everybody is just shaking their fist, right? Uh, There are all sorts of ways. And listen, if you're a parent, You know, this is true Uh, you've raised kids and you know what if you're if you've been a parent you've also been a kid You know, this is true. We can have a quiet defiance in our hearts It's just true statement, right? Uh, You don't have to be openly brash uh, about your position Uh, And so here we go Uh, There is no fear of God before their eyes would be probably the best summary statement of, of all of this well, let me uh, give us a little bit from the Westminster Confession. I said a moment ago that all historic confessions will acknowledge this idea of sin. Uh, the Westminster Confession says that since Adam and Eve are the root of all mankind, the guilt of, for this sin has been imputed to all human beings who are their natural descendants have inherited the same death in sin and the same corrupt nature. This original corruption completely disinclines, incapacitates, and turns us away from every good, while it completely inclines us toward every evil. From it proceed all actualized sins. Now, let's be clear. When it says that it inclines us toward every evil, that doesn't mean every one of us is inclined to the same evils. It means that every evil that we see on the human scene is all attributed to this original sin let's just get practical here right uh, instead of theological abstract you turn on CNN you turn on Fox News I don't care which which 24-hour news cycle you like your source from all right you get online and get your news through whatever you know uh, social media platform I don't care where you get it the 24-hour news cycle bears this out Every single day, you, you see the stories, I see them too, and you shake your head and you say, oh, what has become of this world? The logical uh, you know, answer to that question that we oftentimes fail to connect the dots on is exactly what's stated here in Romans three, uh, that we are demonstrating and bearing out the truth day after day after day, that humanity has a corrupt human nature. And, and that all of the various forms of evil, whether great or small, they all get back to this idea. And so, even that verse 15, swift to shed blood, doesn't that make up a number of our you know uh, news stories that seem to sell and, and kind of keep that cycle alive? Sure, it does. Ruin and misery, peace. We we all want world peace, but I'm telling you what. The deeper solution to world peace has to do with getting to the root of this original sin problem, and that is exactly, uh, you know, what is in view in our in our sermon discussion today. Uh, before we move further, I want to say that the title of this sermon is called "Just Astounding," and we got a little play on words here that we're going to work with, uh, make that more evident uh, as we go, uh, but. Some of you, I, I know because I, I've had these questions too. You may be sitting there quietly and, uh, you know, politely and saying, really? Are you, are you really trying to tell me there's nobody that does what's right? Is it, is it possible that this is just a little metaphorical and a little overstated, a little hyperbole for good teaching measure? Okay, fair question, fair question. Let me give you just a, a thought that I think uh, R.C. Sproul sums this up well. He says, fallen sinners can refrain from stealing and perform acts of charity. But these deeds are not deemed good in an ultimate sense. When God evaluates the actions of people, he considers not only the outward deeds in and of themselves, but also the motives behind these acts. The supreme motive required of everything we do is the love of God. A deed that outwardly conforms to God's law, but proceeds from a heart alienated from God is not deemed by God a good deed. Wow, that that is hard. When I began to realize that God cares not only about what I do, but the thoughts and the motives that go behind it that's when I really began to realize, hey, there's a lot more to this living out the faith and a lot more in, in view of why I needed forgiveness in the first place, because I can do all sorts of good things with the wrong motive. Now, teenagers, I wasn't trying to throw you under the bus earlier, right? As as I mentioned, uh, parents and teenagers, right? I just know that as a teenager, I oftentimes obeyed externally, but was angry in my heart. I I knew that oftentimes I had a rotten attitude in my heart and even would do a a half-hearted job for it, right? But still technically comply. And I think that's just a reminder. And parents, you know, you've been there too. You've done that. And certainly, if you're an employee, there's times where we're tempted that same way, right? Less than the best attitude. I'm telling you what, our omniscient God, who is worthy of all praise, is not snowed or pleased with, with half-hearted or, or wrong-hearted obedience, okay? And, and so uh, we, we would just basically call that elsewhere. In Scripture, he says, all of our righteousness is like filthy rags. Hmm. It, that statement has to do with the fact that our motives don't always line up with what we're doing. Right? There are various things that do we do that compromise that. Well, you know, I think before we move on, I think it's worth stating that historically, uh, there have been uh, theologians that maybe push back a little bit on this idea of the universality uh, of a corrupt human nature. And one of the famous controversies in history was uh, rooted in uh, the statements of a guy named Pelagius. And with Pelagius, he basically uh, thought that we had the ability in and of ourselves uh, you know, to, to rise up, that, that Adam's sin nature didn't really corrupt all that we were. It was just a, an example that we might be inclined to follow, but we had it within us to resist it. And as a result, uh, that we could just kind of grit it out and by our own you know, efforts uh, rise above it. But uh, again, quoting R.C. Sproul, Sproul, I would say that the idea that there is a universal human sinfulness for which we are all responsible is hard to accept. As a result, Pelagian beliefs are still common today, even though Pelagius himself has largely been forgotten. And so we we just, uh, as we kind of cap this part of the discussion on this original sin and the sin nature that has affected and really corrupted all of us, right? We just have to come to terms with with some of what this means. And again, I think some of us want to maybe hear from theologians that would put a more positive spin on it, but in the end, there is no doubt about it, scripturally speaking, our moral ability left to itself has been completely lost and enslaved in this corruption. Free will, uh, we've got a free will, it's intact. But the righteous desire to obey uh, from a heart of love for God in all things has been lost. And so clearly the unregenerate person has to be regenerated Uh, before they can uh, approach and and, and please God, even have that desire for him. And this this is the hard part in thinking about uh, all of this. And this is at the root of why we are so prone to idolatry, because nothing is more foreign uh, to our fallen state than authentic worship. It just doesn't come naturally to us at all. And with this in mind, what, what we need is a we need a whole new reboot. We, we need a whole new uh, start. And and so this is exactly what the heart of the Reformation is, is all about. And rather, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> rather than denying our sinful nature, it, it's going to put the spotlight on it in such a way that drives us uh, to what we need most, and that will be the gospel. And we are we are going to. Get to that uh, good news, but before we get there, we've got to acknowledge humanity, all humanity, is guilty as charged. Just putting it out there bluntly and and simply, right? The the idea of a cure for any disease that is radical and invasive would be totally unappealing and even uh, something we would turn away to. Uh, away from uh, uh, with indifference or or even uh, more with just a, a disdain if it wasn't needed, right? Uh, the, the first step in us really growing in what God has for us is Recognizing just how bad the situation was and just how radical of a solution is needed. You know uh, I would just say we love the idea <laughs> uh, as, as we think about guilty as charged. We love the idea of justice When we've been wrong (laughs) But if God were to d- impose the justice that we justly deserve, uh, we would stand rightly condemned. And, and that, that is hard for us to acknowledge. So we come back to this. Reason number one, and I said this was the longest uh, of our three that we'd be looking at. Uh, reason number one, we have confusion uh, about the, the, the Reformation and even uh, what it is, uh, is to, to walk in some of the key truths uh, of the Scripture is that we fail to recognize our unjust nature. Well, let's go to a second one. A second key reason is that we deceive ourselves that we can fix things by trying harder. I promise you, we're going to get to uh, some positive news in here. But uh, in this, uh, another way of saying this uh, is uh, that, you know, uh, somehow uh, we, we think that we can fix this on our own. And obviously, as I mentioned at the start, reform theology and, and the whole idea of, of the, the Reformation, uh, the emphasis is that justification is by grace alone through faith alone. And let me take us to uh, another scripture here that'll make that, very abundantly clear. Uh, We're going to go to Galatians 2. And Paul writes here, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by the works of the law, No one will be justified. And remember back to the beginning uh, of our discussion, right? That idea of being just is to be morally right, and that idea of, of broadly, theologically, to be justified is to be made right with God. Nobody, Paul makes very clear, nobody is going to be made right with God through the things they do through obeying rules and, and keeping laws. And that is by no means to suggest that rules and laws are, are, you know, uh, no good for anything. But if you want to establish as so many people do, right? Seven out of 10, uh, we're talking about at the beginning that people could, that things they did could earn them a good spot in heaven. (laughs) We're, We're confused on this and I'll, I'll, I'll broaden the confusion level here. When you look at every world religion outside of Christianity, they're all rooted in things that you do climbing a ladder or bringing you closer to some realized, idealized state, okay? And Paul is just saying very clearly, no, it can only be happen through faith in Christ alone. Uh, There is no uh, confusion about that in the scripture. And again, uh, we we just uh, might mention just another scripture. Isaiah 64 would say, we've all become like one who's unclean and all of our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We fade like a leaf and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. So, We we need need this justification that comes by faith alone. Again, Westminster Shorter Catechism will define justification as the act of God's free grace by which he pardons all of our sins and accepts us as righteous in his sight. He does so only because he counts the righteousness of Christ as ours. Justification is received by faith alone. That's coming right out of the historic confession. And we're gonna, we're gonna blow that up more uh, in this next point here. But uh, well, let's get to a third and final thought on our confusion about justification. And that third point related to this second one is going to be that we don't grasp the depth and the breadth uh, of our justification. And so uh, a little bit more on that. And here's where I think uh, if you've been holding with me, I know we've been through some tough, tough discussion here. It's gonna get beautiful. And I just, I want you to hold on and and kind of wait for what God's got for us in this. But uh, this this three-letter conjunction at the start of the passage that we really wanna hone in on today. But, hey, that conjunction is everything, right? That's the hinge from the discussion earlier in Romans three, which was so difficult, right? None is righteous, not one. All have turned away, none seek God. The but here is a, is a beacon. It's saying, hey, there's hope. There is absolutely hope. Uh, it was so dark and so bleak and much worse than we could have ever imagined, much worse than we even acknowledge uh, on a typical day. We deceive ourselves otherwise. But there's hope. And here's that hope. Now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Translated, right? Now, right standing with God, you having a complete right standing before God is available apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe... For there is no distinction; for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by His grace as a gift through redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. We're going to unpack a couple of these uh, big words because I know I know some of them are are mouthful. Uh, but in the end, it says it's to show God's righteousness because in His forbearance, His divine forbearance, He had passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus God is going to uphold his divine justice without sliding what is good at a cosmic level even so giving us uh, a pardon from all of our sins. And so the extent of our justification, I'm saying, is greater than we could possibly realize. Justification by faith alone is merely shorthand for justification by righteousness of Christ alone. Uh, We must possess righteousness in order to be justified. The question, as R.C. Sproul puts it, is whose righteousness uh, justifies us? And so I think uh, this is a, a good opportunity to just stop and consider what this what this means uh, fully. Right? Not only are are we trusting that Jesus cancels sin. And I think even the the study or the survey kind of recognized that most people uh, recognize that Jesus Christ and him alone could cancel sin, that his death on the cross was absolutely vital. But I'm saying we don't grasp the breadth or the depth of what he's done here because Christ did not come simply to cancel sin. That is only a fraction of what is going on with justification. And here's where I think it gets really, really good, Uh, uh, beyond belief good, all right? Uh, When you think about what Christ did at the cross, I think most of us in the room uh, know and have heard and compare it back, hey, he died on the cross to to forgive sins. And and I don't ever wanna take any, any wonder away from that, right? But I want you to just stop and think about it this morning. I, I wanna invite you to just do a little quick inventory. And we're not gonna overthink this, but if you had to think about what, what are the top tendencies, failings, sinful patterns, that would kind of characterize your life, I'm not asking you to voice those, just, just to think of them, right? So you take the top three. I don't, know. I don't know what you struggle with, the common things that are common to all, right? Uh, we, uh, some people would grapple with anger. Some people would grapple with lust. Some are, are highly judgmental and critical and, and lack a, a, a kindness towards others that they ought to have. Uh, some are just terribly disrespectful. Some struggle with a pattern of lying, right? We could go on, right? The, the, the point isn't to, to catalog every possible sin. I don't know where your struggles have been, but I'll tell you, I know where mine tend to be. And my family closest to me tends to know what I struggle most with, right? So, yes, it's wonderful. Christ came to cancel those. And we saw that so clearly in the Colossians studies, right? The, uh, the, the, The record of sin that stood against us. It's been totally, totally abolished. It's been canceled. That beautiful. Praise the Lord right? But I'm telling you, that is only a fraction of what justification is. And here's what I mean by that. Christ didn't come to just bring you to a neutral spot with God. Like, oh, canceled all those things. You're good now. Uh, No, that's still not good enough. Have you ever thought about why Christ had to come and live the full life that he did? Why didn't he just beam right down, kind of do the sacrifice and take care of business right then. No, he had to be a baby first, right? Well, why? Uh, we're going to celebrate Advent? but why did he have to come and be a baby? Why did he have to live out a life? Why, why did he have to get baptized? You think about what baptism is and stands for. Why would Christ need to be baptized? Listen, everything that Christ did in his life was done the right way. And here, I'm gonna just say it beautifully, uh, or what is beautiful, I should say, is, is that, that Christ, in all of his right behavior, his right thinking, his perfect way of living out life, that is going to be given to those that are justified. So when I say we don't understand the, 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 the depth and the breadth of it, most people want to stop at just being canceled of sins and, and brought to a neutral spot, but that's not enough. And Jesus has come that we might have a full kind of merit of righteousness that is totally unearned. I know my my proclivities or my failings well, right? You can cancel my sins all day long and it still doesn't put me, you know, well into the positive category. Jesus lived a perfect life so that when God the Father looks at me as I enter heaven, this is gonna sound arrogant to some perhaps if you misunderstand me. He's gonna look at me, he's gonna say, I see my son's perfect life at work in Brian Idy. Who am I? Uh, How did I come into this kind of a gifting? But the truth is, uh, that's not specially reserved for me. It's for any of us who are in Christ. I want you to think about that very thing. You think about all the things you still have to grow in, right? I'm, I'm working on learning more about patience and, and what it is to love people in different situations and, and all a host of other things, right? I, I fail and I fall short even when I'm not actively sinning, right? I, I don't have a positive righteousness of my own, but Christ lived out that perfect life and every ounce of his obedience and his right thinking is going to be credited to me and to you if you're in Christ folks if that doesn't give you a sense of wonder I don't know what would because I tell you what it's totally undeserved as we kind of begin to wrap up there's a couple things I think that we should think about and that one is that idea of propitiation there's a big word back there right propitiation is the idea that God absolutely absorbed all of the wrath in Christ that was due to any sinner uh, that that would uh, accept his you know uh, salvation by grace alone through faith alone so as Christ is hanging on the cross right literally he who knew no sin the scripture says became sin for us christ hangs on the cross and god the father is looking down on him as if he had all of our sins on himself at that point and and it's no wonder It's no wonder that the father will turn his face away. It's no wonder that the son thought that to be such a horror, right? This is the only moment of separation he's ever known from the father, but it's because of our sin. Now, here's the beauty, though, right? As we celebrate the idea of the resurrection, we sang about it earlier today. The fact that death could not contain him there, the fact that he could rise victorious even after consuming in his flesh all of our sin, right? Uh, the fact that there is uh, that perfect you know, response uh, in his sacrifice means that there is not one ounce uh, of wrath that is rightly deserved for me or for you if your faith is in Christ. It has been completely absorbed by what Christ did at the cross. I love this quote here. I'm going I'm to share this with you. I just, I think this is so helpful. Uh, it is said, Jesus drank a cup of wrath without mercy hanging on the cross, he drank a cup of wrath, metaphorically, without mercy that we might drink a cup of mercy without wrath. We exchange the cup of God's wrath that we deserve for the cup of living water that Christ freely offers us. I think that, that is just amazing. You think about... The, the offer that Christ makes to the woman at the well, right, the, the sinful woman, uh, I, I tell you the truth, I offer you living water, right? I mean, so we, we deserve a cup of wrath, we, we get a cup of living water, uh, and, and what, what an amazing exchange. So, uh, folks, I, I, I want you to, to grasp something uh, of this, and, and I'll even put it in, into terms here that, that may seem absolutely absurd. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. Uh, nationally, uh, a Powerball uh, jackpot was won in the billions of dollars. I think it was billions. All right, that's crazy money, right? And, and I, I don't know. I don't know what you would think of first of doing with all that money. But I, I, I want to tell you something, and I believe this, even if you think I'm insane for saying so. Justification by faith alone, through grace alone, is worth way more than that Powerball jackpot payout. That money and the riches that'll come from it, the friendships that may or may not be had through it, th- that they, will, they will be fleeting. There comes a day, right? It is appointed for man to live and to die and then to face judgment. And I tell you what, entering into judgment, knowing that Christ's perfect life is going to be given to me and counted instead of my flawed life, right? Not just a canceling of my sin, but an act of doing the right things is going to be credited to me. I can enter into eternity with just a, a joy and a hope as I, I point to Jesus when, 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 when the judgment day rolls around. Why, why should you be here, Idy? <laughs> I'm with him. Uh, what he did, I, I, I want some of that, right? I, th- that, that's my only hope, right? But you know what? At that moment, that'll mean way more than any powered ball jackpot payout. I'm just telling you, and, and not only for that moment, but for all of the rest of eternity, if we can even begin to fathom the idea of eternity in a timeline that doesn't make sense. Forever, right with God, enjoying the fullness of life in his presence, based on not my performance, but based on his? Again, I come back to it. How did I score this? And the answer, humbly speaking, is I didn't. Christ did. And when we talk about justification by faith alone, through grace alone, that's what we're relying on. We're relying fully on what Jesus has done. And so, just a couple of questions as we wrap up, right? Couple of questions. We've got to ask, hey, what, what, are you, what are you trusting in? If, if, you are, if you would consider yourself an unbeliever here this morning, I just got to be blunt. The scripture is very clear that all are sinful and, and that the right, the right response of a holy and just God is that that sin will be met with a full fury of the wrath that it deserves. And, and there's not going to be any scaling it back, right? Uh, that, that, I'm, I'm not trying to be scary here. I'm just trying to be truthful right? That, that, that is the true statement about where things are at. So if you're here this morning and, and you don't have a, an active trust in Christ, uh, let me appeal to you just out of a, a, an appeal of love. Uh, I, I, this gift is for you. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. You can be justified freely even today in this moment by faith alone through grace alone in the work of Christ alone. And, and it doesn't matter, again, uh, where you've been, what you've done, who you are. Uh, one size fits all on this, but obviously uh, you have to come to that spot of acknowledging uh, that need and putting your trust there. But I would say there are probably a good number in this room that maybe you can relate to just kind of times where you lack a little bit of an assurance. And, and it seems like, hey, things are up and things are down. And, you know, uh, you know when, when, when you're kind of on your A game uh, with, with, you know, your devotionals or with uh, kind of living how you feel like God wants you to live, uh, you, you feel a sense of peace, right? Uh, but then quickly that, that can be disrupted. I will tell you what, in my own experience and, and in watching others go through difficulty, hey, there's two main reasons why people can really struggle with a lack of certainty here uh, and assurance and peace. One, if if you're presently pursuing uh, a life other than what you know God has called you to, hey, there's, there's not gonna be a peace in that. So uh, make it, make it, out of, out of the riches of what he's done here. Make it your purpose today to turn from uh, anything that you know is just actively displeasing him. Uh, your grace uh, is, is more than enough here through Christ uh, to, to cover that and to draw you uh, back into a, a right walk with him. But I'll tell you what, a second reason is, is that a lot of people struggle with this because they're not fully convinced that the offer is as really radical as it is. And I think we need to renew this in our minds daily. And, and uh, maybe I'll, I'll leave you with this thought this morning if you're struggling or, or you relate to this struggle. Uh, author Jerry Bridges has often been quoted as saying, For every one look you take at your own sin, take ten looks at the cross. And by that, he, he means, Hey, remind yourself of the radical truth of being justified through faith in Christ. Not only sin's canceled, but Christ's right living, his right thinking, his right acting applied to you in such a way that God is looking over you with a smile. And I know when we struggle at times to, to find assurance, right? We're, we're, we're thinking God must be angry with me. We're thinking God uh, probably likes the other Christians uh, in my life better than he likes me because I just haven't been, I haven't been doing it right i'm telling you what when god looks at you if you are in christ we need to be certain on this he looks at you through the obedience the perfect obedience of christ himself and that's where verses like those in the gospels that come out so clearly uh when 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 the father says this is my beloved son with whom i love and with whom i'm well pleased you you remember that kind of a pronouncement about about time of jesus baptism hey that's the statement that applies to your life if your faith is rooted in Christ, not based on how well you perform, but God looks at you and says, hey, uh, you are my beloved son or daughter, and because of what my son has done, uh, I see you in the light of him. And that's something we need to, we need to remind ourselves of day after day after day. And finally, let Let that just challenge us and and spur us to living more fully for him, right? We could talk a whole nother sermon about living a a life on fire for God, uh, but it's gotta be on this foundation of that God has already done everything for you, canceling your sin and absolutely giving you the righteousness of Christ. Uh, What a beautiful thing. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we just thank you this morning. We pray for your grace to be ever at work in our midst. Continue to strengthen us all. Even even when we know these things, Father, we we just so often need to be reminded and renewed in them. The, The audacity, really, the audacity that you would lavish so much grace upon us when the scripture is so clear that we are undeserving. Oh, Lord, capture our hearts with that. I pray, Lord, if there are any struggling this morning with just a, a sense that you love them and that, that your blessings are for them, I pray that these words would, would, would just be a balm to their soul. I pray that you would encourage and strengthen them and bring them to a place of renewed joy, Lord, for those who are in Christ who are trusting in you, the lot has fallen in pleasant places we are undeserving lord but we rejoice i pray too that you would help these truths to keep us humble when we recognize that you are the one from start to finish that has done it all not only canceling our sin but establishing our goodness there's no place for boasting there's no place for looking down upon others lord truly it is a gift that we rejoice in. So Lord, help us to be increasingly a people that overflow with a joy and a humility that will be contagious, not only to those uh, under this roof, but those in our community, Lord. Draw more and more and more people uh, into our midst that we might share something of this wondrous and and, and life-changing truth, Lord. It is too good to believe, but yet it is true. And I pray that you would just put it deeper and deeper on our hearts that it would overflow with those that we talk about who need Jesus. Jesus, we ask all of this that you would be glorified and that we would be satisfied in you, (laughs) amen.